come celebrate the holidays at the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Jump in the VR simulators to ride Santa's jet-powered sleigh. Or fly over frozen landscape in the Great Glacier Race. Enjoy special deals and discounts at the museum store and cafe every Saturday in December from 3 to 5. And bring your out-of-town friends and family, too, because admission and parking are free. Celebrate the holidays at the National Army Museum. A full list of holiday fun is at usarmymuseum.org. That's usarmymuseum.org. It's the Alexandra and Friends podcast, and we're covering the everyday issues of life, health, and wealth. And as always, we have a great panel of experts with us. Here is your host, Alexandra Fincher. And this show is brought to you by Miller Title, Roberto Pettis. And we're here, Courtney and uh, V and Stacy, who is our guest today. We're going to listen to her story and her journey through our life. Yes. Welcome, Stacy. We're so happy to have you here today. Um, just a little backstory. So I've known Stacy 10 years and her husband, Chad, reminds me a lot of my husband, Clint. And they are Miller Lite buddies. I think that uh, I think right as Chad was being diagnosed with Alzheimer's when I started dating Clint. And I think that if maybe Chad hadn't been um, sick, that they would have become fast friends. They they remind me so much. They are just fun life of the party. Um, just good, good guys. And, you know, what's what's interesting. And, and this is just kind of a testament to my husband is when Chad got sick and he went into full time care, I could not bring myself to go visit him. I didn't I didn't know that person. And it was hard for me to to wrap my brain around being able to visit with him and him not recognizing me and knowing me. But my husband went up there several times and and, uh, you know, you you didn't really know Clint either. And I think it's just I think it's just great that he was able to visit with him. And I remember him bringing puzzles and getting excited to go shop at the store for little toys and trinkets. And so, um, you know, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that Chad's passed. um, But I think that when you talk about somebody's purpose, that this may be something that you can shed light on for other people that are going through something similar and help them through this difficult time and also find your purpose and everything happens for a reason. So welcome tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. So I'm going to give you the floor, kind of talk to us about how you and Chad met and um, you guys have a great story. Um, Walk me through that. So I moved to Allen in 2001. Um, it was closer to my, the, I work in McKinney, so it was closer to work. And Chad happened to be my neighbor. He was two houses down around the corner. I, would, I had two German Shepherds at the time, so I would walk my dogs uh, around the corner in front of his home. And he had a, a lab, a white lab. And so he was checking the mail one morning and I was walking my dogs past. And so our dogs met and became friends. And so it became a thing that every morning I would walk my dogs so that the dogs could play. Right. The dogs, the dogs could dogs play. Could play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, he and I both happened to be in relationships at the time. So we were just neighborly. And then a few years later, we both happened to be unattached out of our relationships. And uh, we started hanging out more and it just developed into more than friends. And then one day I was sitting in the hot tub, we were drinking Miller Lite. Mm -hmm. And he says, so you want to do this? I said, (laughs) what do you mean do this? And he goes, let's do this. Let's get married. (laughs) I can picture Chad saying that like, come on, let's go. Let's just get this thing done. So what year was that? Um, That was in 2006. We got married in 2007. 
Uh, we got married on May 5th, which was Cinco de Mayo, because Chad said, I need it to be a holiday so that I'll remember. <laughs> and I said, Cinco well, Mayo. <laughs> no big holidays. I didn't want it to be Christmas or New Year's or Valentine's Day. So Cinco de Mayo. So every year at Cinco de Mayo, Chad said, see, everyone's celebrating our marriage. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. With tequila. Yeah. With tequila. With tequila and Miller Lite. Yes. Yeah. Miller Lite. Yes. Okay. So then I, I remember you telling me, too, that Chad, extremely intelligent individual. Yeah. Um, had a, an interesting upbringing mm-hmm. and uh, fortunately was able to get through some school and got on with um, a large corporation, was with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what do you do? I work for a real estate attorney. Okay. I've been there for 25 years. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, uh, I guess, when you started noticing Chad's decline in health, like what were some of the things that kind of tipped you off that things weren't right? Chad had just turned 40 when I started noticing things, and I just assumed that it was probably a midlife crisis or he was just frustrated with work. He'd been there for a long time, and maybe it was just the same old thing every day. Maybe he was needing something different, Um, but it was we would have conversations, and then two days later, it's like it never happened, and I'd be like, Chad, were you listening? Um, and he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I got a lot going on at work. Um, and so when I would talk to my friends about those things, they'd say, oh yeah. I mean, my husband does that too. Like, that's, that's a man a, thing. That's a man thing. Right. And then, um, every evening I work, I work late you, later than he did. So I would call him and be like, you know, pull the chicken out of the, um, refrigerator and get that going. And then when I get home, I'll do the sides and, if you don't mind, could you, you know, vacuum real quick? And when I get home, none of that had been done. And I'd go, Chad, did you, did you pull the chicken out or did you vacuum? And he went, uh, uh, uh I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll go take care of that I mean, that, that right sounds now. like my husband on a good day. So, right. I don't- <laughs> right. So, and then we would, he would kept losing his phone and then he would misplace his keys mm-hmm. But the key thing was when we would go to try to replace his, re, retrace his steps, he couldn't do it. I'd be like, when you got home, where did you go? Like, did you go to the mailbox? Did you go change clothes? This was around 40, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. And he just, he couldn't retrace his steps. And that was concerning to me. I'm mm-hmm. like, how can you not retrace your steps? What did you do when you got home? And he was very good at covering things up. And what he would do is tell me what he thought that he would have done. Right. Mm -hmm. You tell you what your numeral routine is. He wouldn't tell me that, but that's how he was covering it up was he would just, he would give me the answer that he thought made sense. Right. Um, And then he started getting lots of tickets. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't know how much the speed limit was, the, the, mm-hmm. When he'd get stopped, the cop would go, you know, it's 45. How fast were you going? And Chad would be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And that was concerning. Then he started having a lot of car accidents. Mm-hmm. He totaled two cars oh, in wow. one year. Yeah. So I started doing a lot of research, like something must, it, maybe it's his blood sugar, maybe it's diabetes, um, you know, high blood pressure. What are things that could affect your short time, short term memory? Um, So I got him to go to the doctor in February of 
2016 is when he went to the doctor for the first time and they agreed he had some memory issues. Um, so we, he came back from the doctor and told me that he had all these uh, tests that needed to be done. Well, he only did a few of them. He didn't go do all the tests, but he was able to communicate to me what all he needed because he didn't remember. So um, we ended up going on a trip to, um, I'm sorry, we didn't go on a trip. He went on a trip to uh, Kentucky with our car club. And that's when it really revealed that it was a, a big problem. They went on a two-day trip driving in the MGs. And when he got to the location, he started asking people where I was. He didn't remember that I didn't oh, ride wow. with them. So our MG club friends started calling me to tell me that something was wrong. And I went through his car at the house and found all of the doctor's prescription notes mm -hmm. and all the items that he should have been doing. Um, so I called the doctor and pleaded with them to talk to me because Chad hadn't filled out the privacy notification to give me, give him permission to talk to me. And they said, we've been calling him for weeks to try to get him. He's, he's rescheduled and canceled appointments. He hasn't shown up. So that was when I started going to, with him to all of the appointments. And then it just, it took over a year to get him officially diagnosed. If you're tuning in, we are here with Stacey Cooper. You're listening to Alexander and friends. We've got V, myself, Courtney, and Alexandra. Mm -hmm. So I guess, why didn't he fill out the HIPAA sharing of information? Is that he was just fill it out quickly or he, I, I don't, at that time he was already compromised. So okay. I don't know if he just didn't understand or didn't take the time. And how is it if somebody is going to a doctor's office for memory loss that they would just assume that the patient is taking care of it, right? I mean, that kind of seems like a no-brainer that they wouldn't say, oh, is there somebody else that we can loop in on this? That's interesting. Yes. That's scary. It is scary. Yep. Okay, so after the whole MG trip, you start getting involved with the doctor's appointments. And then is that where things are specifically starting to get diagnosed, where now we're transitioning to a whole new way of life? Or how, how did that work? Well, because he was so young, the doctors were... You know, we did all kinds of tests. We did MRIs. We did um, CT scans. They did. Um, they took spinal fluid. Um, we went to all different types of doctors. And all they kept telling us was there is it. He's acting like it's dementia. But because he's so young, we just need to rule all these other things out. So they spent all this time ruling things out. And it was it his blood work would come fine and they ruled everything out. And they finally just said without a, a brain biopsy, we don't know for sure what it is, mm -hmm. but we can do markers. Um, we can test for genetic markers. And when we test for genetic markers, we can make an assumed assumption that this is Alzheimer's. And Chad was adopted. So that's, that's a whole missing piece where you mm -hmm. can't even go back to the genetic side and see if there's somebody in his bloodline that maybe suffered from the same illness, That's right? Correct. That's correct. Oh goodness. Okay. So ladies, do you, do you have any questions? Quick question. How long did it take for them to be able to diagnose him? It was, uh, we went to the first appointment for the neurology was 
February of 2016, and he was officially diagnosed through the Mayo Clinic in May of 2017. But wow. in May of 2017, he was, his brain was already so severely impaired that he was already on short-term disability, and he was, I had already enrolled him in adult daycare. How old was he at that time? 42. Wow. And people keep thinking Alzheimer's is for elders, and it really, just this is really throws you off. It's affecting people younger and younger. Wow. What a difficult time for you. You're listening to Alexander and Friends. Please like us, Alexander and Friends 660 on Facebook. You can also shoot us an email, alexanderandfriends at gmail.com. You're listening to Alexander and Friends. I'm here with Courtney MV and a wonderful, wonderful guest by the name of Stacy Cooper, who's bringing us through her journey of her husband's uh, disease with Alzheimer's. So this is just uh, very heartbreaking. You look so young and I mean, just the, the youth of this person and going into Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So. Oh. so he got the official diagnosis. You said May of 2017. Mm-hmm. Walk me through what happened after that. Well, at that point, Chad's um, his disease was pro- progressing so quickly that I started just doing a lot of research. We had to figure out um, uh, what to what how to care for him during the day uh, while I was at work. And I wanted him to have as much of a normal life as possible. So I started doing research on adult daycares. And I was very fortunate that there was an adult daycare in McKinney. um, So I could drop him off on my way to work. And then his dad would pick him up um, at the end of the day since I worked later. Um, But he did activities all day long there. Um, He had friends there and they had snacks and they Mm -hmm. had meals um, and and they did activities to engage his brain. Mm-hmm. I really believe that that choice allowed him to um, have as much of a full life as he could have. Mm-hmm. It was devastating for me. And I cried every day after dropping him off because, you know, who thinks at I was um, 44 at that time who's dropping my husband off to hang out with a whole bunch of people that are in their seventies and eighties that have dementia. Mm -hmm. And Chad had enough awareness to know that something was wrong with them. And he would tell me, you know, I I try to help them. I try to help them, but they all loved Chad. Oh, I bet everyone loved Chad. Yes. So, and this is kind of interesting because you and Chad had made the decision not to have kids. So you missed out on bringing children to daycare every day, but then you're dropping your husband off at an adult daycare, right? I mean, it's just, that's just, um, it's hard. That's hard, right? And so talk to us a little bit. You guys had made the decision not to have children when you met. And I think this is an interesting part where, you know, we've talked in length about this and just how people structure their lives and plan for their future. And you had made mention that, um, you know, you both are in your jobs, you had been there for quite a while, had great benefits, things like that. But Chad didn't make you privy to maybe his benefit summary. And there was an option for long term disability. Right. Mm-hmm. And that would have provided a a actual paycheck, a continuous paycheck during the time that he was unable to work. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And it would only have been $2 a month. Okay. My goodness. And I want to jump him, jump here really quick. Um, this is really, really common. Okay. Uh, a lot of times people think 
it's $2 a, a per paycheck that I need to pay. So that's going to be $4 a month. You know, if it, we do that times 12 and then times 20 years or times 40 years, I'm never going to use that. And I always tell people, when you get your car in the morning and you leave your house, do you leave the house thinking, I hope I total my car today. So all the money that I pay in insurance will be, you know, uh, valuable. You don't do that. So why, why you are not getting the benefits? And, but it's that idea that people have that, oh, if I sign for that, something will happen. So that is really or that common. they're invincible and they don't they're think it's going to happen or that won't be happen. me. And I think, you know, 2020 has shown all of us that it can happen to anybody, right? Yes. Any Anything can happen and it could be something that's not even in your realm of possibility. Yes. Um, and I really wish that the language when you when you do the benefits, okay? I, I was helping my husband to do the, the benefits for 2021 and I had to ask him to call HR. And say, hey, just make sure that this is what they are trying to do. They they are trying to say because the language is not it's not it's not clear and it's not accessible. You know, it's written by attorneys. Yes, yes. I mean, I understand all the legal. Uh, well, if you're in the industry, the terminology makes sense, right? Yes. But for everyday people, yes. it's very confusing, and it's just it's not in just easy to read kind of no. dummy down terms. So so. The everyday person that's not familiar with these type of terms can understand it. So I think that that's interesting. So a couple of takeaways from that is if you are especially maybe a stay at home parent or a spouse and you say, you know what, my my spouse goes to work every day and they've got under control and they handle all the bills because that's their money. Time out. Maybe that's something that you need to take a look at, too, to make sure that if something does happen, that the benefits are going to be. Uh, valuable and and useful, and you're not going to make a re- have a regretful decision that you should have jumped in. Oh, and a lot of times people go into the automatic, you know. Oh, just continue, continue, continue. Mm-hmm. Just let keep what I had on the last year, and they don't know what they had right. on the last year. Um, so 17 is when he was diagnosed, and so had he been working up to that point, or he had been out of work? And how does that work with like? Do you get disability benefit? Like, how does all that, how, how was that financially for you guys? And what were you able to do to help get him and pay for that adult daycare? Because that's not cheap. It was $85 a day or $85 something? $85 a day. Oh, yes. goodness. And yes. he was every day or just five days a week? Five days a week. Okay. While I was at work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, how, how were you able to afford all of this? So in September of 2016, he went on short-term disability because he had to. We uh, did a, they did a neuropsych exam and the neuropsych exam revealed that his brain was so, so impaired in his short-term, uh, short-term memory and his ability to uh, make uh, multitask was to the point where he shouldn't be driving a car. So when he shouldn't be driving a car, he had no way to get to work. Plus he drove a vehicle Mm -hmm. at work. So he had to go on short-term disability before he was actually diagnosed. That was in September of 2016. Fortunately for us, because Chad had been with his company for so many years, we only lost 30% of his income while he was on short-term disability. Mm -hmm. That lasted for six months. And then, um, in March of 2017, he went on long-term disability with his company. Um, so that was 50% of his income. At that time, I was able to apply for Social Security disability. 
um, once we got Social Security. And because he had a diagnosis of early onset dementia, his Social Security disability was fast tracked. Um, So because of that, the Social Security disability kicked in right around May. And then because of the way long term disability works with his company, they reduced his um, long term disability, the amount of the Social Security. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the total amount that we got equaled 50 percent of his income. And so but in March, I had to put him in uh, adult daycare because it was no longer safe for him to be home alone. Um, There was one afternoon the neighbor called to let me know that the locksmith was at the house because Chad was trying to get the locksmith to drill into the gun safe. Oh, my goodness. He was going to clean the guns, he said. Um, I had changed the security code on the gun safe because I didn't want him to get in it when I wasn't home. So that's what was so crazy about Chad's brain is he didn't he was unable to get into the gun safe, but he was able to look up the number for the locksmith call the locksmith, give him the number, and get him to the house. Thankfully, our neighbor intervened before the locksmith went in and drilled the hole. Oh, my goodness. Um, so that was the decision that, that that was the event that made me put him into full-time care. So, I mean, into um, adult daycare. So um, the amount of his Social Security disability basically paid for his adult daycare. So that was a wash. So I was fortunate enough to be able to cover the bills with my salary Chad and I made the choice um, to make sure that the house payment was never more than one of our salaries could handle. And it was that choice that allowed me to be able to keep the house. Um, And it didn't cause a financial that didn't cause a financial burden. I was able to cover all of the bills um, on my salary and then his Social Security disability paid for his adult daycare. Wow. A real quick question. When when did you actually, uh, did you have to put him hospitalized him or did you take care of him all the way through? In um, December of 2018, I had to put him into a um, long-term care facility. Um, I was, his care needs had just gotten to a point where I was no longer able to take care of him at home. Um, he had gotten to the point where he was un. Uh, not very steady on his feet and he needed to be using a walker and he was also incontinent at that time. Mm. So, um, and his memory was so short, he would get up in the middle of the night two or three times thinking that it was time to get up to go to work. So he'd get up in the middle of the night and take a shower and get all the way dressed and ready. And then he would ask me, you know, are you going to get up? Let's go. And I'd be like, Chad, it's nighttime. It's two in the morning. It's time for bed. Mm. He'd be, oh, it's time for me to get ready for bed. So then he would go through his whole night routine and then he'd go to bed. And then 20 minutes later, he'd get up and take another shower. So he was keeping me up all night. And then he was also our house was not ready, was not capable to handle a, a walker and all of the needs that he had. So I had to make the decision to put him into full time care. And most people have the assumption that Medicare or Medicaid cover that. Um, But it he was we didn't qualify for any of that. Medicare doesn't cover that. And then Medicaid we didn't qualify for. So um, we had to private pay for the full amount of his care. Well, and I think that's very important to talk about is that Medicaid for you to be able to qualify for Medicaid, you actually have to be poor. That's correct. And I'm talking about house poor, car poor, 
all your bank accounts poor and you basically have to go through a very difficult time and I can understand uh, it must have been very, very hard for you and for your family. Yes. And it, it was difficult because it was all things that I, I didn't know how to navigate. So I had to do a lot of research and I uh, had joined a support group an Alzheimer's support group. And I, relied on those people to kind of help me navigate um, how to file for Social Security and what to expect and all the different facilities. Um, They all were and they actually also helped when Chad was at home. What do you do when you try to keep them from leaving the house or um, how do you navigate different things that are happening at home? The doctors really don't offer any kind of assistance. They give you the medical side of it, mm-hmm. and then they kind of just say, good luck. Um, so it was the support groups that really helped me um, navigate all the things that we were dealing with at home. You don't realize, people think that dementia is only about the brain, but, you know, I'd come home and you, Chad was peeing in the trash cans or peeing in the sinks mm-hmm. instead of, because he just he needed to go to the restroom and he didn't know what to do, so he just he would pee in the trash can. Stacy, and what's next? Because uh, I think we are going to need to stop right here. You're listening to Alexander and Friends. We're here with Stacy Cooper sharing her journey about her husband's battle with Alzheimer's and her journey on how to, I guess, get through that and the support she was able to find, and now moving on with life after, right? Mm-hmm. We are here together uh, with uh, V and Courtney and a wonderful um, guest that we have today by the name of Stacy Cooper, who's really talking to about her about her journey with her husband in a very, very serious situation with Alzheimer's. And, you know, for being 40 years old or so, what a terrible, tragic way to uh, end life. And for you to be able to be in this journey with him. Uh, v, what do you think? Yeah. What's next? Because everything that we talk so far, thank God you guys are really good planners. So you had plan for, to save for retirement. You had plan to, uh, if something happens, you can afford to pay the house or I can afford to pay the house. And life happens. You are able to, to create some flexibility and switch a little bit the plans and, and, make, and make it happen. And what's next? Well, right now I'm just trying to figure out what my life is without Chad because I, everything that I did and everything that I planned for, I had to think of Chad first because it was, how is this going to affect his care? How is this going to affect, um, how it was going to affect me when COVID happened, I was no longer able to go visit him anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, it turned into video chats and me checking in with the nurses to see how, um, what his blood pressure was, what did he eat that day? How was he feeling that day? So everything about my world was Chad first. So now that um, Chad has passed, I'm trying to fill that space. And it's um, a new world for me because I have uh, sacrificed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm having to figure out what it is that I need and what it is that I want and how I can transition that journey into a purpose to help others, really. Um, You know, Stacey is an inspiration when you look at what a wife should be. 
what a spouse should be in in the support that you you're gonna get me all teary eyed, but you know you you want to have somebody like Stacy in your life when you're going through that. And thank you because you've shown me a lot and how you know you need to be there for your spouse and you need to um, have those difficult conversations. So you are prepared and your spouse is prepared in the event that something like this happens. And it could be a bad car accident and it could be a heart attack. It could be something that somebody gets COVID and it doesn't go in the positive manner where they recover with minimal effects. So I just thank you because, you know, me and Clint have talked about you a lot and he was like, I don't think that I could ever be there for you the way that Stacy was there for Chad and I feel the same. And we won't know if unless something like that happens. You don't you don't plan for things like that to happen. But to see you devote your life and put him first is it's awesome. I'm I proud of you. That. Yeah. Thank you. How long has it been since he's gone? Uh, almost two months. Two months. So you are uh, still grieving. I am. But. You know, Chad hasn't physically been home since December of 2018. So I have already grieved a lot. Um, I've done a lot of work to go through that process um, through therapy and through support groups and reading books and listening to podcasts about grief um, to try to navigate that. Um, The biggest thing that was really hard for me was that in between where Chad is still alive, but he was in a full-time care community and I had to move on with my life. Mm -hmm. That the guilt of that was um, overwhelming at times. Stacey, and just uh, have you ever discovered what triggered the the Alzheimer? We don't know. We don't know. It was like a genetic situation, an environment situation, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way to know for and, sure. And I think one of the reasons you could not really go back and detect it because he was adopted, right? And you could not go back and uh, the family. The family. Uh, that's you know that's something very important as you look into adoption. Uh, what are the backgrounds of the uh, genetics? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing too that you had mentioned is when Chad moved into full time care, you know there was minimal assistance through government programs and things like that made too much money, right? Made too much money to get a lot of assistance. And, and just the to jump in mm-hmm. here, to make, make too much money for the government, for, for the Medicaid in Texas, it's almost nothing, mm-hmm. okay? So if you make more than 2500 you do not qualify. So mm-hmm. we are not talking here about $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's the minimum. Mm-hmm. And you need to go over everything that you have and then they can step in mm-hmm. and do not i saw some families do that in the past they try to give away all the 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 resources like the 401ks and the accounts but doesn't happen like the that they go they, they look, look back, back five years mm-hmm. so um yeah. and so, so i did all that research and yeah. i talked to i talked to seven elder law attorneys six of those elder law attorneys said to me i'm really sorry i don't know how to help you. So, um, but all of them told me that there was a five-year look back and the doctors had told me that Chad's prog- prognosis was l- probably less than six years. So I, it wasn't worth it for me to do anything, to change anything. 
the goal was to, and when people asked me, what do we pray for? I told them, pray the money lasts longer than Chad. Wow. And you guys were fortunate enough to sock quite a bit of money away in your 401. And so did you have to draw on any of that for Chad's expenses? Yes. Once he went into full-time care, I had to start taking disbursements because there was a $3,000 shortfall every month. Wow. Long-term care facility, sorry, Alexandra, long-term care facility in DFW area, just checked here, the cost goes through $60,000 to $125,000 per year. That's correct. This is more than most of the the families make in this Mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my father-in-law has been in uh, long-term care for six years this year. We just moved him to hospice, so it's it's a very tragic. I want to ask you a question. What would you say to us as we sit here today? How should we move forward? That was going to be my question. Oh, sorry so, about that. <laughs> so, what would you say to other to our listeners that are listening to you? That you have a very good perception. You've got very. I'm, I'm sitting here watching you. You look good. You you seem to have gone. Like I said, you, your grief is past now. Now, what are you going to do with your life? To be clear, I'm still grieving. I still have moments that I'm. Of course, I'm of still course, grieving. and it'll happen yes. the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah. Yes. Um. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Really. Well, let me ask you this: If you, you have a platform here to help educate people, mm-hmm. what are top three things that a family should prepare for? Just in general, not knowing that something like this could happen, but. The things that you've done that you feel are must for somebody else. I will. The biggest must for me is that you, everyone shares all of their username and passwords. I had Chad paid all of the bills and everything is done paperless now. We didn't get any bills in the mail. So I had to, when he was asleep, I would break into his phone. At that time, they didn't have face recognition. So I put my fingerprint in his phone so that I could get into his phone so I could go through his emails so that I could get a hold of all of the utility companies and um, the uh, our house payment and all those things so I could change all of the email addresses from his email address to my email address so that I could then change all the passwords so that I could get into all of these things. We struggled with Chad's bank account because he he would forget his password to the bank account and then we would call the 1-800 number to get it reset and they would ask all these questions about did you live in this apartment or did you you know was this a car that you owned a lot of those things were before i met chad mm. and chad didn't remember yeah. so we had we struggled with a lot of those things so Knowing your username and passwords and then asking your parents when your parent, because what happens if your parents get sick, Mm -hmm. you need to know the username and passwords. You need to know all of their doctors. Chad and I, by the time we met and got married, he and I were both established. So I had my doctors. He had his doctors. I had no idea who his doctors were Mm -hmm. and even how to get a hold of them to say, hey, this is what's going on with him. So I need to make sure we have all the paperwork so that I can talk to you about his health, including his dentist and his eye doctor, like all of those things. Then I would say that when a family member or someone you care about gets sick, you have to be willing to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. I, the doctors in this day and age, they don't really, they give you the textbook answer, but I had to 
make a list of questions and ask a whole bunch of questions in order to navigate Chad's illness. And then it was the support groups that I went to that helped me find, fill in all of those gaps. I had this idea that the doctors were going to do that, but they really don't. Mm -hmm. And then just knowing what your spouse's wishes are as far as if they go into full-time care or if they ever are in a situation where they're vented, what, what are their wishes? Do they want life altering um, saving to happen or is that not how they want to live? I, you know, tried to do honor Chad's wishes as best as I could. I tried to make his world as best as it could for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that for Chad, his world was the best it could be. It still was devastating to me that the best it could be was playing bingo in a community with other people that were 25 or 30 years older than him and all with dementia. Mm. Wow. Stacey, thank you so much. I mean, (sighs) I know that that's a lot, but... Like Courtney said, we are here to educate. We are here to bring light to situations where a lot of people, sometimes they don't know who to call, what to do, where to start. And even to us, to go back and check our benefits, to make sure that we are taking advantage of things that we can and, you know, making sure that we have everything in place. So And live within your means. I yes. think that's, yes. I mean, that was so smart of you too, because I... You know, we all, when we start making some money, we want to get the next best thing. We want to get a bigger house. We want to get a new toy or nice new car. And you're not prepared for situations like this that could happen. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's really good information. I'm so sorry about Chad. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I'm thankful that you came here today to share your story. I appreciate you. I'm glad we're friends. Yes. Um, All right, ladies. Some amazing stories. Yes. We're going to wish everybody a very happy 2021. Amen. And we're going to toast when we get back. And hopefully that um, Roberto remembers that he's going to be uh, filling in for you. Yes. And he's going to bring punch next week. Oh, wow. We're going to miss that. Thank you so much for listening to our program. We hope to have you back again next next year. And Happy New Year. You've been listening to Alexandra and Friends, the podcast. Reach out to us on Facebook at Alexandra and Friends or write us an email, alexandraandfriends660 at gmail.com. Be sure to mark us as one of your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode.